Welcome to Panning on Empty, the weekly pop culture podcast in which two averagely informed people discuss film, television and anything else they get distracted by whilst inspired by a pun. Along the way, we'll try and help you decide what's worth paying attention to and what isn't. Remember to vote for future episodes at punningonempty.com and follow us on Instagram. Hello listeners and happy Boxing Day. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast um, since we started in November. And as our present to you, here are some extras from previous episodes uh, while we're editing our 10th episode, which is going to come out very soon. So I hope you enjoy these little snippets. We talk about Werner Herzog, the difference between Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan. I go deep, deep, deep into the plot of Interstellar, so stop listening if you haven't watched it and you don't want any spoilers. And finally, we discuss um, Taylor Swift's recording of her new album and the sartorial choices of Boniver. So enjoy and have a great Boxing Day. Um. We asked 100 people what was Werner Herzog's greatest contribution to film culture. Our survey said <laughs> Baby Yoda. <laughs> he didn't invent Baby Yoda. No, but he was a very early, he was an early adopter of Baby Yoda, wasn't he? he like, on set, he was like, do not go in and green screen the Baby Yoda. I think the puppet itself cost two million dollars. Well, I think there's eight episodes per series. Werner Herzog kept taking him home with him, so they had to keep replacing it. <laughs> I'm taking this little delightful child with me. Well, no, Werner Herzog, to be honest, Werner Herzog is a really good character. He's a really good character in it. Werner Herzog? Yeah. Well, you must love him primarily for being a baddie in the Jack Reacher film. That's, the, again, the high watermark of his career, Werner Herzog. <sighs> I eat my fingers one by one in the cold. I don't think I like Jet Reacher. Uh, it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, I feel. Is it that I can't remember? Because then didn't they reboot? Because then didn't they reboot it with Chris Pine? No, no. You're thinking of an entirely different franchise. No, Reacher is. What what Tom franchise Cruise. is Chris Pine in? I forget because he's so forgettable. We've covered. No, I'm sure it's been. I'm going to literally Google this now. Oh, it's Jack Ryan. I just don't think that they should, it should be allowed that you should have like a film called Jack Reacher and a film called Jack Ryan. Yeah, so the fictional character of Jack Ryan who originally appears in a series of books by Tom Clancy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. It's like um, Harrison Ford played him first time around. But so who's Jack Reacher? He's, well, he's a character called Jack Reacher who appears in a, in a series of novels about the character Jack Reacher. But who writes those? Um, an incredibly famous thriller writer, Lee Child. Okay, but anyway, Werner Herzog is the baddie in one of those films, and it's a very, it's a very interesting bit of stunt casting because you're not expecting Werner Herzog to be the baddie in a Jack, the Jack Reacher film, and yet he imbues the whole thing with a kind of beautiful dark dignity, as Werner Herzog often does. Interstellar, what do I need to know? Oh my God, can I tell you the plot of Interstellar? Because I'd be really excited to tell you. Can I just check? You know that since I've become a father, I get quite emotional about stories, about like parents and children and like, you know, whether or not they'll be together and happy. So I hope it's nothing to do with parenting, <laughs> children and, uh, and tragedy. I just, because I won't watch it. 
Um, I'm literally going to spoil the whole thing for you. It's your own fault for not watching it. Because we've been planning on doing this for two weeks. So you've had loads of time to watch it. So I'm going to tell you everything. I thought I was going to have enough time to travel back in time and do it. But... Have you ever read Slaughterhouse-Five? Can I get another drink before we go? Oh, into... okay, yeah. All right, I'll pause it. I'll pause it. I will now tell you the plot of Interstellar. Are you ready? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to spoil everything. That's fine. Okay, and listeners? Can I ask questions or do I just have to listen passively? No, you can ask questions. Okay. So, Matthew McConaughey has a dead wife. He lives, he lives on a farm. <laughs> yeah, he lives on a farm and um, it turns out that Is this he... the near future? Yeah, it's like 2030. Right, okay. So there's a lot of dust, there's a lot of dust around in, yeah. the, in, the, in the world. There's a few, right. you know, there's, there's a bit of a sort of climate emergency going on sort of yeah. thing. In the background at the beginning it sort of comes to a head a bit later on but yeah basically matthew mcconaughey has got a dead wife and two kids and he lives on a farm right and he's got uh he's got a little girl who he loves and a boy who turns out to be um timothy chalamet is that how you say his name oh right oh, okay yeah who I love, he's amazing in Little Women, yeah. Um, yeah. and I've never seen Call Me By Your Name, or Lovely Call Me girl. By Your Name, yeah. or whatever, but anyway, so, and he basically ignores his son, <laughs> he ignores right. poor little Timothy, anyway, so, his little girl sort of notices that, like, she's got a bookshelf, and like the books keep being pushed out of the bookshelf in a certain order. And at first they're just like, this is an accident. What's going on? You know, like, like as in one book falls and they just think it's nothing. But over time they see it's like a pattern. And then they realise that it's Morse code somehow. <laughs> or some sort of code. And so they write down all these coordinates and they drive to where the coordinates are and who do they see but michael kane <laughs> no they literally get they literally seriously they literally arrive they basically um follow they get to these coordinates where there nothing there's meant to be nothing there and there's basically like a massive um like you know uh, industrial plant and they get through the barriers they get inside and Anne Hathaway's there with oh, her. I know, I know, I know. So Anne Hathaway's there. Michael Caine's there. <laughs> and it turns out that it's um, like NASA got shut down years ago. But this is what remains of like the space program that they've sort of secretly carried on. Um, and it turns out that Matthew McConaughey used to be an astronaut, <laughs> basically. Right. so they're like something they're like why are you here and he's like well are these coordinates sort of someone put like as in these books got pushed out in morse codes and we've come to these coordinates they're like well something's brought you here because we need a pilot and you're an ast you were the best astronaut we ever had 
and it turns out that they've secretly been keeping going like a space program because um, of like the climate crisis like the human race has to get off the planet essentially so they have a rocket and they sent out 12 um 12 rockets like um you know five years ago or something i can't remember how long but so they sent they sent out 12 rockets to like 12 different planets to see which would be habitable and they haven't heard back from like any of them apart from two or something so um they're basically like matthew mcconaughey will you get in this rocket and go off to space so he's a bit like oh i don't know and they're like well obviously you'll be gone for like 100 like 50 years so when you come back like you never see your children again something sort of you're like young children and he's like oh but it's the future of the human race and but his daughter's like don't go and all of this sort of thing but anyway so he gets put in the rocket he goes with Anne Hathaway and like two other astronauts and well, they... hang on, he has to go with Anne Hathaway. I know, he has to go with Anne That Hathaway. would have been my fucking red line. I'd have been like... And so, and, like, and Michael Caine is like Anne Hathaway's dad. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Michael Caine and Anne Hathaway? And yet I still have a real, like, emotional connection to this film. Is <laughs> she doing an English accent? Mm. She's doing her English accent. Do you know what? I don't think she is doing it. I think maybe it's just not exp you know how like in Inception Michael Caine is like the French woman's dad and he's just got an English accent. Oh yeah. I yeah, think I, it, yeah. I think it's just accepted in like the Nolan verse that Michael Caine can just talk in an English accent and that's fine. Yeah. Wherever, <laughs> Michael, Caine, like... wherever Michael Caine has sex that is the accent <laughs> this child then has. That's rude. <laughs> but anyway, so so they're they're basically in space, and when they're in space, they've got they've got messages and signals coming from two different planets, right? One um, from two different scientists that seem to have survived, and they are basically sending back information about the planet that they're on, and so they're deciding between which planets to go. And I can't remember, but there's some sort of hoo-ha, and they end up going with one, um, someone overall, someone else, and they end up going to one. And guess who it is? Matt Damon. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so That's Matt Damon. So Matt Damon's been like on his own on he's this. He's already been on Mars, so he's going to be well good. <laughs> exactly, at exactly. Yeah. Although I think was Interstellar before The Martian or after. Oh, well, that was good practice for Mars then. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so there he is. He's, he's, on this, he's on this planet. He's on this planet. He's like, hi, welcome to my planet. And they get there and they're like, oh, this looks a bit inhospitable. And he's like, no, no, that's just what it looks like. It's fine. Anyway, it turns out he's been faking all of like the signals and he's gone mad. And he basically ends up killing two of them. But it's sort of more of an amazing twist because you don't expect Matt Damon to like be evil. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, it turns out that he faked it and there's absolutely like no way that they'll like, that anybody could survive on that planet. Yeah. But 
Oh yeah, I forgot to say that before they went to that planet, they went to a different planet. Oh no no no! So that's anyway. At some point, rockets they can just land on planets and then take off. Well, no. So this is the problem. So then they go to another planet. I mean, this is either before or after, where every minute on that planet is like a year in our time. And so they're like, right, it's going to take us 20 minutes to like get down and get back up and see what there is. And like, there's like this massive problem with the engine. And so essentially, he's literally like, my daughter's now 50. Like, you yeah. know. Anyway, so it's just all about time and all that sort of thing. Anyway, he then gets back into space and they then have to come up with some, you know, they come up with some sort of plan to, like, get home or get to another planet. And it involves Matthew McConaughey sacrificing himself. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Right? But by sacrificing himself, he basically goes into like a wormhole and he comes out of the wormhole into essentially. <laughs> now, I wonder how I can explain this. So, have you read Slaughterhouse-Five? Yeah, but a long time ago. Okay. Well, because I really love Slaughterhouse-Five. It's like, I like, but I, and I'll talk to, about it after this. But he, so he basically comes out of the wormhole and he can see into his daughter's bedroom and he's behind her bookshelf, right. right? But it's not, he realizes as he turns around that he's not seeing it in one moment in time. He's seeing it, he's seeing every moment in time in right. her room behind this bookshelf it's basically the fourth dimension. Okay. So, like, you know in Slaughterhouse-Five where they're, like, a the aliens in Slaughterhouse-Five don't care if someone dies because they don't see time as linear? Like, to yeah. them, someone's alive and dead at the same time. Like, time is just something you sort of experience. I, it, to me, it's, like, the same idea. He's yeah. just, like, in his daughter's bedroom because it's somewhere that, like, really matters to him. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it turns out he's the one who pushes all the books yeah. to send her to the place. Yeah. To Like, he's the one who's been doing Morse code to her, like, back in the day. And then he does this really weird thing where he sort of tells her the secrets of what... So, apparently, like, if we, as a human race, knew what happens inside a black hole... This solves the theory of relativity, apparently. That you've just got to go with that. Um, so because he's been inside like a black hole, he's got all these like measurements and sort of scientific things that he can give her. So he puts it into her. She's got a watch. <laughs> and he somehow programs it into the second hand of a watch. The, anyway, so basically she then grows up to become a scientist. And she sort of is able to like take humanity off the earth right. anyway and then at the end like he wakes up and they're like oh we found you floating in space here's right. your like and he's 30 or whatever and then yeah. they're like here's your 90 year old daughter 
and then she dies with her family surrounding her and then he goes off to find Hannah Hathaway. That's the film. Holy Christ. What I've watched this week is uh, you know that Taylor Swift just dropped on Disney Plus a live recording of her lockdown album. Oh yeah, yeah. And actually I did want to talk to you about this because you know that she did it with the guy from the National. Uh, what the the lead singer from the National or someone else from the National? Aaron Dressler. Yeah, that's the lead singer, isn't it? So the lead singer. He basically looks exactly like David Spade. But anyway, so so she they started she started writing the album with him at the beginning of lockdown. It dropped in July. Um, and they never met, and so just last week on Disney Plus, they released um, them all meeting for the first time in September in like these log cabins in New York. It's called like the Long Pond Session, um, and it's actually really moving because <laughs> um, they've they they recorded a whole album essentially on Zoom. Um, but my main question to you is, so firstly, I just think you'd be interested. I actually really love the album. <laughs> um, it, it is a really good album for lockdown. I've listened to it a lot while having to work. Um, but it, she does a duet on it with Bon Iver. And I don't know anything about him. Is he weird? That's a very, uh, yeah, that's a very big question. No, is it? Well, tell me about him. Just because, okay, happened, like, listen, um, this is what happened. So basically she's, so her, the people who've written the album with her are the guy from The National and Jack Antonoff, Lena Dunham's ex-boyfriend. Don't, don't leave in me saying that he is the singer from The National because I'm wrong. I'm oh, a, what is he? He's the, like a guitarist and... Oh, he's a guitarist. Yeah. What, what is Jack Antonoff from? Google that. Oh, God. Jack Antonoff's just a solo dude, isn't he? And so he's like a singer-songwriter, I think. I don't know if he, he's not famous for having a band, is he? Is the least thing, oh, Bleachers. Oh, okay, Bleachers, Fun, Steel Train. All right, so he's been in lots of things that I'm vaguely aware of, but like, but he's... Okay, so basically, so Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff, I mean, they wrote her last album together, which is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so at, she's at this log cabin with Jack Antonoff and the guy from The National and this quite a good vibe and they're singing some songs together and it's the first time they've ever performed these songs together and it is really nice. Mm. Um, and then there's this duet on the album with this guy from Bon Iver. Or is Bon Iver a person? Is he just a person? Yeah. Pretty much, but it, he he records under Boniver, but it, yeah, it's it's what it's it's one guy writing all the stuff, but he like plays with a couple of other people. It's yeah, like well, yes, basically it's one guy. It's not like a name though. It's just, okay, fine. Yeah. Anyway, so like the song, I like it. A lot of people take the piss out of it, as in he it is just a sort of a man warbling. Is that how? Is that what his songs usually are like? Um. So that he I, just sort of go, like he's just sort of like do like you know is that what he sings like well so i like i've got quite a complicated relationship with uh justin vernon and bonimo because when that, that first album came out and it had so much 
mythos about it, the first Bon Iver album, um, that he'd had this breakup, like for Emma forever ago, like he'd had this breakup and he'd gone out into a cabin in the woods and he'd like created this album. And it was like, when you listen to it, it was like this kind of amazing fully formed thing. And it, it, it's, but it was like classic, like, man singing sad songs about woman that he misses because they've split split up now kind of music and but and it was very it was incredibly well reviewed everywhere and like one of the, like, he li- like he did literally make make it himself in a studio in the woods in like rural america and it kind of blew up but then he like well i mean so what daniel beddingfield made his album on his own in his bedroom yeah, but you know he wasn't just that he didn't do it in a bed in a field that's just his surname <laughs> um, but, um, but then but then like justin vernon pops up on like the candy album going i'm lost in the woods i'm out of my mind <laughs> oh yeah i forgot that was him yeah, yeah. so the, i like that song though yeah but like yeah so he is now mainly famous in pop culture he's like I don't know, like in the way that Chris Martin like was like, I need to broaden, you know, I need to broaden my audience. I guess I need to get into dance music. Like there is a little bit in which like just oh, so that's what he did. No, I mean, just... well, anyway, so basically Taylor Swift is talking to like Jack Antonoff and the guy from the National and they're sort of telling about how they had written this. Her boyfriend had written this song. Well, did and... Jack Antonoff go out with Lena Dunham? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. It's oh. like a big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so basically, he's like, um, she's saying, oh, I, like my boyfriend wrote this song, and I really wanted to duet on it with Boniver, but I was too scared to like send it directly to him, and I didn't even want to suggest him. But then the guy from the National heard the song and was like, oh, Boniver would be the perfect guy, and then sent it to him, and he loved it. So you're like, okay, cool. And then the next shot is them is then them saying, like, Boniver, whatever his name. So is he a person yeah, or not? Justin Vernon is Boniver, basically. Like, So when... how would they refer to him? Probably they'd call him Justin, wouldn't they? Right, so they just went, oh, just it was like subtitle, you know, caption came up, Justin couldn't make it to New York because of coronavirus. Mm. Fine. Do you, you know, like, whatever. I don't know what the rules are in New York, so fine. Like, Taylor Swift's in this log cabin with Jack Antonoff and the guy from the National, fine. Justin is in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so they basically show them singing together, apart from the fact that, like, Justin is, like, literally on it. He's on his own in his home studio, with like a balaclava covering his whole face is this what he, what he normally looks like he's just got a balaclava ho- covering his whole face singing into a microphone like duetting with taylor swift yeah, i mean i was like that is weird that's not like there was no one no, they were like hey there was a cameraman i don't think he needed that balaclava like not a balaclava it's more just like a handkerchief covering his whole face yeah, i think like... i don't think it was a real covid secure mask it was it i was like now now i think you're a twat i don't think it's about covid is it i think it's about like getting a certain recording effect like i think but also like those like i've never seen him do that but i'm not surprised by that in that he is all about like you know trying to get a certain sort of like naked raw intimacy into his music um (laughs) why is he covering his whole face i'm lost in the (laughs) world 
Right, I'm going to find a photo to show you because it's weird. Okay, so I'm just screenshotting a picture now of of, of what is in this. Um, I'm just going to drop this into the chat. Uh, excellent. I'm I'm just going to drop this into the Zoom chat, and you there, tell me. There's nothing. You tell me. You tell me. Is this what is this what he normally looks like? Guys, if what you're into is a podcast. Uh, of what it sounds like to have kind of like Zoom admin, then you would <laughs> love it. No, but look, if people want to see this screenshot, message me and I'll send it to you. Hello at punningonempty.com. I'll send you this screenshot of Bonnie Ver and Taylor Swift. See, the issue for me is that I'm having problems with my laptop moving between... <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Um... Yeah, there, yeah, there's a, a very, um, very smart young gentleman on the right, and um, and uh, and then the guy with the, yeah, he looks bonkers. Yeah, I don't think that's COVID. I think that's no. What? Why has he done that though? Is that what? Like what? Describe to the listeners what he's wearing on his face. Well, he's got a real sort of like. Uh, Unibomber slash white power rioter vibe going on he's just got a he's, he's covered his face up with a sort of cloth that has a pattern of white birds on a blue background i think it's about plosives isn't it plosives the enemy of recording he doesn't want like the p and the foot and the, the fricatives and plosives he doesn't want um i mean obviously the way we record this podcast is uh superlative the recording but so you're telling me that is for sound i think so it, it's either for sound or it's about him, like, you know... Well, I felt like that could have been explained. Well, I'm sure there's a bit of theatre. Right, I'm now going to play it to you so you can hear. Alright. You I'd can like... hear this, hear the actual session. Because actually, we'll have to do this at karaoke one day. I tried to do it on Smeal this week. So, I've just, I've just played Jamie the duet. What's your verdict? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it more. Uh, like have you never have you never listened to that album? No, I, I, I look. But I mean, you love the national. But I, this is, I don't understand. What have you been doing in lockdown? Um, I uh, bought a lot of wine and I've drunk a lot of wine. Also, I mean, the, I I absolutely love the current trend for just people dropping stuff. I love it. Yeah, me you know, too. like in the past, it was like a massive build up to an album. Whereas like just during lockdown, we had Beyonce say, here, I've just released Black is King, which is an incredible visual album. It's so yeah. good. I cried so many times in it. And then Taylor Swift last week was just like, here, day after the Grammy nominations, why don't you just have, you know, the long pond sessions? out of the blue i love it it's so exciting i agree and like people were like out of nowhere there was just a podcast in which uh, the organizing principle was puns and... <laughs> well no this is like when people are like yeah. and sh during the black death shakespeare wrote king lear and i'm like and we've created a podcast that's brought joy to many tens of people, tens of people around the concept of puns Although it's not really about the concept puns, is it? Like I, no. I think what what I have enjoyed has been thinking about the fact that like 
it is quite over. Like what lockdown, like obviously the last year, has, I'm going to get serious for a moment. The last year has obviously been very overwhelming in lots of ways. And I feel like, like in spite of the actual literal logistics, like, you know, the personal and social logistics of like a lockdown, like, the fact of having just a genuinely global news story is quite exhausting. Like there's no, there's no respite from it. I feel like, you know, quite rightly kind of um, post kind of George Floyd, the, the, the kind of Black Lives Matter was a genuinely global news story that was kind of happening at the same time as COVID which was a genuinely global news story. And then you had like the American election, which smaller, but still felt genuinely global. I feel like, I just feel exhausted by like the, by being so joined up with the rest of the world. Like I just want, I want like small. You just want a pun. I just want small moments of parochialism, <laughs> of which a podcast in which the organising or the or the well, the point of departure is a pun. I feel like we you know we don't we don't cling to the pun. No. You know it's a, it's a jumping off point, a departure yeah. point for us to just basically be very entertaining and very <laughs> intelligent, a little bit irreverent, but always entertaining. Punning on Empty, the <laughs> irreverent pun-based podcast that you love. Punning on Empty. <laughs> <laughs>